listeners beware, you're in for a scare, here Ooh. on It's a Musical Podcast for our second anniversary. Yes, happy birthday to us. Yes, indeed. Two years ago, we sat down for the first time to talk about Joseph. Yes, Could... we sat down for the first time for me to force you to watch the musicals. You really should have seen by now. And this is really exciting. I mean, you couldn't get a more different musical than Joseph. Yep. Both inspired from books. Sure. (laughs) But very, very different. And this one's also really exciting because we're not actually watching a musical. We're simply listening to a musical because we're going to cover... This is a very long-winded title and I love it. (laughs) Goosebumps, the musical Phantom of the Auditorium. Yes, indeed. I was never a Goosebumps fan growing up. I loved Goosebumps. I thought they were too scary. Aww. I, I, I was a very, very easily scared child. Yeah. Which, like, you wouldn't know from, like, my tastes now. Mm-hmm. I was very easily spooked as a child. And the idea of Goosebumps, I decided to beware. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, as a child, was scared by realistic things. So, like... I, as a kid, could not read Jacqueline Wilson books because the Which things that happened in those books were set in the real world and could actually happen to people. However, I loved a Goosebumps story. We literally are two halves of just one person, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, basically. On a side note, non-Goosebumps related, we just happened to watch a TikTok the other day that was like, people who were born in these months statistically their marriages stand the test of time Mm -hmm. and we're both like watching anxiously awkwardly so the first one's like january matches up best with march and you like cheered (laughs) we high-fived because that's our birthdays (laughs) yeah but i i don't know much about goosebumps i know that in advance of this we've actually watched the goosebumps tv episode covering the phantom of the auditorium yes now the goosebumps tv series is a little different from the books, obviously, because they made them really short and they cut out a lot of the sort of background characters. They cut out a lot of the additional goings-on that you are treated to in the books. But they kept the main plot and the main storyline. Yes. But it's a very shortened version. So you don't get the whole story in the TV series, but it's still a good time. So yeah, it certainly felt lacking. But I, I mean, we've listened to this soundtrack... And a million, a million times. Yeah, right? I'm, I mean, if you're going to have anything as a Goosebumps musical, the Phantom of the Auditorium is perhaps the best shout. Mm-hmm. How this exists without, I guess, infringing on a certain prestigious musical writer's copyright, I don't know. I think the answer to that is fair use if it is in parody of a thing then you cannot uh, claim copyright against it that is the way that uh, youtubers make commentary videos on movies and things but it's also interesting because we have the phantom we have Rao, but we don't have christine yes we have esmeralda so is it again such a simple change like that it's not andrew lloyd webber's phantom of the opera mm-hmm. it's great and we're gonna kind of go bit by bit through the songs on this Mm -hmm. and talk about them and maybe talk a little bit about how we'd stage them because we've had many discussions in the cars on what we would do yes do you want to tell me a little bit about the background to this well i'll start with how i got onto this which was i was having a bath 
and I got an email that said goosebumps. I was like, who's emailing me about what a weird thing to get on an email? Who's emailing me about goosebumps? Because it didn't come to the musical account. No. It came to my uh, artist account. And so I clicked on this email and looked at it. And it basically said, the new Goosebumps musical soundtrack is now available to download. I was like, oh, that's weird. I didn't know there was a Goosebumps musical. So I clicked on Spotify. I opened it up. It's like, oh, Phantom of the Auditorium. That's hilarious. I liked that one. And listened to the whole soundtrack, which meant I was sat in the bath for like another hour and a half all the way through. And then when I came in to talk to you a couple of hours later, I literally was losing my mind. I was like, I've just heard this whole new musical. It's amazing. I don't even know when this is from. It's not that new. Yeah. But I got this email about it that seemed to come from nowhere. Which is so funny considering the source material. Yes, indeed. Like the haunted email or something that's yes. brilliant. So the musical was initially co-commissioned by First Stage Children's Theatre and Oregon Children's Theatre. And it had premiere productions in fall of 2016 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin and Oregon. So quite a while. Like six years ago. Yes. By me. Mm -hmm. The Wisconsin production ran from October 14th to November 13th. And the Oregon production ran from October 22nd to November 20th. And both productions were received well by local reviewers. It was also performed by the Roanoke Children's Theatre in Virginia from 2017 to 2018 in their, their uh, season of shows at that time. It's since been produced by a lot of other theatres around the country. Mostly aimed at school groups and yeah. uh, young children's companies to come and watch. Which is a great show for that, considering how young a cast you've got. But there's never been any talk of it going Broadway, off-Broadway or anything like that. No. Which is crazy because of how good the lyrics and music is. So we've got the book and lyrics by John McClay. Mm -hmm. Music and lyrics by Danny Abosh. They're so clever. And legitimately, I would argue that 3090 has probably been surpassed as my most listened to song of so. 2022 by the story of the Phantom. Yeah. Because I think that song is incredible. Mm -hmm. And I, it does very, very much shock me that this hasn't kind of been bigger and maybe they're hoping to and pushing to because of the cast they've got attached to this studio recording so i'm just going to read some names and you will see the level of commitment put behind making this as good as it can be so you've got christina alabado who was gretchen in mean girls gretchen in mean girls noah galvin who was dear in dear evan hansen yes indeed and uh, Will Rowland, they were the original Jared in Dear Evan Hansen, but mm -hmm. was also Jeremy here in Be More Chill. Yes. You've got Alex Brightman. Yep. Which is great casting and as Emil. Alex Brightman loves, seemingly, <laughs> I don't know him, but seemingly loves We'd to love do to know him. Uh, sort of small recording jobs where he records new soundtracks or like lends his yeah. voice to 
unforeseen well, shows. Cartoon Network are doing a lot of stuff with Beetlejuice. Yes, and I've like seen Teen it. Titans, and he's now the voice of this Beetlejuice as mm-hmm. well. Uh, you've got Cheryl Lee Ralph. Who was in Dreamgirls, and also we saw when we watched Sister Act 2. Yes, was also uh, Rita in Oliver and Company. Cool. And we have Stephanie Styles, who is in Kiss Me Kate. Yeah. So you've got a phenomenal cast attached to this studio recording, which... Mm. We also have a really good ensemble cast who we don't hear featured solos from. Yeah. But you have Ariane Escalona, Alex Gibson, AJ Lewis, Armina Sarkissian, Shuba Vadula, and Akia Zabala, who all are great. There are some really good moments because obviously we're listening to this and not watching it. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, who's singing that? And it's an ensemble member. And I'm like, I want to hear more from them, which is always fun and interesting. The other really fun thing about this is you actually have a cameo from R.L. Stein. Yes. Who is on the soundtrack, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And they've repurposed the principal of this high school as Principal Stein, which I think is the best kind of homage. You know, if they were to do a musical, I guess, of Roald Dahl's works, not just like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but a universe where they all collided. Like a musical style, yeah. You would want a, a reference or a character, you know, in the same fashion, like without making it that this is Roald Dahl's works, you'd want it to be like Mr. Dahl, you know, who's the, the, the man who runs the corner shop, you know? Something like that. Something yeah. like that. And I think having this tongue-in-cheek reference to Principal Stein is fantastic and actually well, he to hear also, his voice we've watched the first goosebumps movie yes we haven't watched the second one no, but, but he is in both of them yes because I... uh, jack black plays rl stein but rl does rock up as a teacher in the first one and then i think he's, and he's been promoted well. to principal since then yes <laughs> so yeah i'm i was really excited to listen to this one because you played a few of the songs in the car and i got hooked and i was like what is this and you, you told me it's that goosebumps musical it's the thing when i want to introduce danny to a musical that we won't be able to go and see yet i play it when i drive which is very rare i don't often drive but i put three of the songs on from this and there was one of them that we will get to that you were immediately in love with yes absolutely and we're going to go through them i guess uh, a bit by bit and we're just going to talk through them there are some instrumentals that we won't focus too much upon but we're going to go through song by song kind of thoughts on them what we like about them and if you want to listen along or listen to the soundtrack before we talk about them so you know what we're talking about yeah. that'd be great go listen to it on spotify or amazon and or on the goosebumps website you can actually go to goosebumpsandmusical.com it has all the songs and the lyrics yeah and download this because i would love for this to be made into an actual musical yeah absolutely i'm obsessed so we start with goosebumps yes which is such a great song Mm -hmm. it's sung by all our different characters so we have brooke and zeke who are our two main characters uh but you also have Miss Walker who shows up, you have Tina, you have Brian show up, you have Emile. So all these different characters we're going to get to know, they introduce it to us. As well as all the ensemble. And it's very meta, which this whole show is very meta, but because it references other things from Goosebumps, you know, so I I don't know much about Goosebumps, but I know Slappy the Dummy. Mm -hmm. And one of my favourite lines is Emile, which is um, 
Alex Brightman, he sings, Does a demon like Dummy make you scream into lights? Yeah, that's a good one. And like, you've got some nice things. You've got, uh, Do you begin to burst when cameras might be cursed? Yep, that's a good one. See, See deadly gnomes in dreams. Yep. Which I like. And it's really great because this whole song is very full, very much full of Goosebumps references. I could almost imagine this this stage filled with the people singing. Mm-hmm. Maybe they each have these different props and they open and maybe like the curtains are a book and they open the curtains and the book opens and we're in the Phantom of the Auditorium. That would be very cool. You know, that's just kind of how I feel that we're not actually in the world of the Phantom yet. We're, we're very much we're the reader into, about yeah. to start reading this book. Mm-hmm. But it is fantastic, you know, because the music is kind of trepidatious. And as it builds slowly, you can feel these moments of like, like the tongue in cheek horror that Goosebumps is. Yeah. I, yeah, I really like this one. It's a really great opening number. Especially because it's then followed by an expositional number. Because sometimes when we watch musicals, you go straight in with that exposition. Yes. Especially when shows have quite a short overture. You jump straight into that expositional song. It's nice to start with a song that is just uh, talking about the world that we're in, but not in an expositional way. It's like, hey, have you read Goosebumps? Here's some niche references you're going to get, which is great. But also what I like about the next song, so we go into a super scary play mm-hmm. and we get to know Brooke and Zeke a little better in their main characters. What I like is the fact that they established this is in our world. Yeah. Because we, we learned that last year's production was Guys and Dolls, mm-hmm. which I think is very, very cool. This is a world that everyone can relate to. We understand the rules of our universe, so it unsettles us just as much because yes. we, we could easily apply it to this. So we learn that Brooke and Zeke both love scary stuff, shows, books, movies, and now musicals yes we learned that the show that they're going to be doing is just called the phantom of nothing it's just the phantom and that last year when they did guys and dolls brooke and zeke were both ensemble members and this year they feel it's their chance to get big roles because this is the scary they deserve them yeah there's a favorite line because we are the kings of scary we are the ones who are understanding of the scary right and i love it and it's very much that this is their year because they've paid their dues but also because they live for scary. Mm-hmm. But what this show also does a really good job of is kind of tells us about the school that they're in. Because... Their school is haunted. Yes. yes. Because their school is also haunted. That They don't do scary shows because this school has a history of spooky happenings. Mm-hmm. Because... Apparently there is a ghost that roams the halls. Yes, and basically the play that they're doing is the play that was being performed. The night that the uh, person who is the ghost that haunts the school disappeared. Yes. We don't know who that is yet. No, we don't know. We also learned that Zeke likes to play stupid pranks on people. It will become relevant later. But that's why it's so much fun. There's so much great character moments and a really fun and upbeat song. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have this great bit where it's like they're waiting outside for the cast list to go up. And I like the bit where Brooke says, oh, Miss Walker said she'd have the cast us up by 2.20. Zeke, well, what time is it now? 2.21. Oh, come on. This is unacceptable. <laughs> it's great. But you've also got a nice moment where they look up on the call board 
and it's you know Brooke Rogers please report to Principal Stein's office you You've have been, been suspended, suspended from, from school. school and it's a prank that Zeke has played and that is very important we're seeing this great relationship the pair of them have through mm. this but you're also getting to know the characters that Brooke is very very eager and is clearly our main character and there's some really nice moments here for like the ensemble work yes because while they're all singing about this is our time and our day. We're finally doing a show. And in the background, the teacher, Miss Walker, has already put up the sign, the cast list, and nobody's noticed. And so she has to say to them, does anybody know what they're playing? Yeah. There's um, also some good exposition. You know, Brooke uh, and Zeke have been best friends since kindergarten. They are practically family. Yeah. Which throws, you know, gives us the kind of routine for one of my favourite jokes later on. Mm -hmm. But I do like, do you have a favourite moment in this song? I guess we talked about the other song, like moments that we liked where they throw in the references. Is there a line or is the moment in this song that you're like, yes, this is the bit that I really enjoy? My favourite bit of this song is the part where Brooke sings about how last year they were in the other show. So she sings, last year we did guys and dolls and Zeke and I basically held up the walls. Which is a great line. I yeah. love that. Because Zeke was man four. And, she and he's was... like, that wasn't even in the script. And Brooke's like, I know, I was woman six. Yeah. Which is, if anybody who is listening has previously had to cast a school show, yeah. you will know. Sometimes you have to add some characters. I always in. add characters. I try to avoid, maybe to the detriment I try to make sure anyone who auditions is in the show because mm -hmm. I know how big a deal this is. And obviously, yes, you have to prepare students to deal with rejection. But especially if like only two people don't get in compared to one else, that's quite harmful. Mm -hmm. People then drop out and that's fine. But The thing is that we also learn with this one is that this is a middle school. Yes. Which in America, I believe, is our UK equivalent of years six to eight. And then high school is nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Though. Fair enough. Yeah. My favourite bit of this song is where Brooke does, I feel nervous, I feel scared and completely unprepared. And and then goes, well, not literally killing me. Yeah. Because there's some Check really, really nice turn of phrase in every single song. Like, mm. these characters are very self-aware. And just... they talk like kids, which I yes. really like. I think it is very difficult when you have adults cast in child roles, especially when they're cast as younger teenagers. Yeah. Because we see musicals all the time where adults are playing older teenagers, you think Mean Girls, Dear Evan Hansen. That's fine, you can get away with that. But when they're playing middle schoolers, it can sometimes get a little bit, you're a good man, Charlie Brown. Yes. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing if it's in parody, but this isn't. They're supposed to be middle schoolers. So it's quite nice to hear them talk the way that these age kids would talk and they make yeah. the kind of jokes at each other that they do. I also, I really gravitate towards Zeke's character because I love what he does right at the end. That kind of like fishing for a compliment thing. So they go off and they look at the cast board and they have like, him I'm go, the Phantom. Brooke, Brooke is, is that, that a good, good part? part? And she goes, well, the play is called The Phantom. So The Phantom is probably a good part. And, and then she realises that he's fishing and is like, oh, I see. Yeah, it's just nice. It's a really nice character building song and a really good song overall. It's not just exposition. It's a, a very good song, mm -hmm. which then brings us on to the legend. So super scary play. I, I kind of, I visualise just being in the school halls. Uh, I would imagine it's either in the corridor yeah. outside of the drama room or the theatre. 
and you just have like the hustle that. bustle people in the background looking celebrating or just looking disappointed yeah. and kind of pointing out everyone look pointing out those shit that they haven't even realized yet yes. now zeke has mentioned a character in the previous song called tina and he says i hear if tina doesn't get the lead role she might lose it like actually lose it yeah tina will show up in the legend but i love the idea of having her in the background of this because tina's very talented and she's cast as brooke's understudy for the role of esmeralda but you'd imagine she was probably the leading guys and dolls she definitely was yeah and she is very what's the word i want high strung i think that's the kind way to say it so i love the idea that in the background she sees on the list that she's the understudy and she like freaks out while everybody else is singing i want that visual in the background of her freaking out her friends having to console her like are looking at you like oh my god like almost that they they look to the audience like devastated first before she turns and she you know the way she walks up is really like like, I know I'm going to be the main yeah, role. Like, and yeah, and she just comes and she just turns and you have this moment of like laughter in the background. But again, like Zeke and Brooke are just so oblivious to what's mm-hmm. going on. So what is the legend of the school? So the legend uh, essentially is that there is a ghost in this school mm-hmm. because four score minus seven years ago, a boy found a script in the basement called The Phantom. They went to perform it. And on opening night, the Phantom fell through a trap door and died. Yes. And they were told But they to don't just... know that. Do they not? No. We're told that later on by another okay. character. But what they actually hear happened is... So Miss Walker is our teacher in the present. But it was her grandmother, who was the teacher at the time, who was running the... the theatre department and the boy who was supposed to be playing the phantom could not be found so the show was cancelled before it even started it was shut down and the boy playing the phantom had completely vanished and nobody knew where he went and he was never seen again yeah and the principal closed the production demanded the script's destruction Mm -hmm. uh, but obviously one survived because miss walker kept it hidden and i like the bit where it's like and when she died it was found beside a mask Mask of rose Or so the legend goes. Yes. All of these songs have a really good pace to them. Obviously, they're quite upbeat anyway, but it's not just that. It's that it feels like you're being moved along in the plot, which is really nice. Like, it doesn't feel like we stop for these songs or that there are any songs where you're like, okay, I'm just waiting for this to be finished now because everything has some kind of motion to it or you learn something from it, which is great. And this is a fun number. So you imagine this is in drama class, about to start working on the script for the first time. This is Miss Walker talking about the script and some of the kids are a little bit more nervous. Like, why are we doing a scary story? This is great because it's between Miss Walker, who's obviously our director, but also Tina. And this is a great song because it shows that Tina is that kind of... The theatre kid. The theatre kid who... Has that? I mean, everyone knows the theatre kid from their group, and that's why I like Tina as a character because they're talented, but maybe will often be a little bit obnoxious at times, pushing themselves mm-hmm. for everything. And it's kind of like how much do you earn it versus how much of this is just because right place, right time, or because of you know you fostering that kind of relationship with your teacher. Mm-hmm. But I really like this bit, and you have nice bits where. You know, Tina's like, oh, tell them this bit, tell them this bit, tell them this bit. And you do get the sense that Miss Walker is getting gradually more annoyed with Tina through this song, which I like. Yeah. I I like this song. 
And I think Miss Walker has some amazing moments with it. And her voice is brilliant in this. You know, I, I really, really like the voice. And especially the bit where she's going on about how, uh, just remember, it's a story, nothing more. Yeah, because she's trying to convince them out of being scared while Tina is trying to scare people. But I can imagine that you've got like Brooke and Zeke just completely enraptured by this story whilst the others are like, instead of being... They're moving they're, forwards and the others like shrinking away. Yeah, shrinking yeah. away. And Tina's spooking them behind them and Brooke and Zeke are just like, wow. Mm-hmm. Favourite bit of this song? The ending part where you get the clapping. Just like, that's how the legend, that's how the legend... Which is great. That's how the legend goes. Go listen goes. to it. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying that. Yeah, I mean, definitely in between each one. If you've if you've not heard it, go between us and and goosebumps and listen to the songs. Mm. Now, between this song and the next song, which is called "Watch Your Step," this is the first instance on the soundtrack where you're like, okay, there's definitely a big scene in between this. Yes, because you should have the first rehearsal where everybody gets their script and we're reading through it for the first time. And then Miss Walker shows them the trapdoor that they will use for the Phantom. And she tells them that this was the trapdoor that was supposed to be used when the school last did the show. Um, and it's dangerous because at the moment it doesn't have working brakes. Yeah. And it just drops when when you press the button on it. It will just drop straight down and you could get very hurt. So don't touch it. It's getting fixed and it will be ready for when the show is actually Which I can imagine on. a nice spotlight on the trap door. Nice square spotlight. Yeah. Because what you don't need in this show is an actual trap door. No. What would be really nice would be to have just a square light on where it's supposed to be with then some kind of whooshing light effect. Yeah, to give the to sense make it of it look going like down. they're going down. But yeah, that would be quite nice that you just like, especially as you talk up the whole idea, this is dangerous. Mm-hmm. you do not go near it you do not touch it and what actually happens in the book is miss walker disappears oh really and yeah and they were like where is she where's miss walker gone and somebody sees that the trap door is open and miss walker calls up help guys can you press the button because the button that brings the trap door up is in the floor next to the trap door like on the stage floor yeah so no wonder somebody died falling <laughs> down it but you know anyway they press the button Miss Walker comes back up and she's like, right, I'm going to close the theatre now. We're done for rehearsing for the day. And as everybody's leaving, Zeke grabs Brooke, pulls her behind a curtain and they hide. Miss Walker turns all the lights off. And then Zeke says, okay, let's go down and see how the platform works. They get onto the trapdoor, press the button and the platform drops for yeah. the first time. And while they're trying to get it to work again, because Brooke, Brooke wears glasses. It's quite nice to have a lead female character who wears glasses. Right. In the fall, Brooke loses her glasses and she's trying to find them. Then they're trying to get the trapdoor to go back up and they suddenly realise, oh, the reason why we had to press the button to get Miss Walker back up is because there's no button down here, so far as they know. There is a button. And so while they're trying to get it to work again, we meet Emile, who comes in and says, what are you doing messing around with that platform? Yeah, so are they in the trapdoor at this point or is this after they've escaped? Right as they get back up. Cool. So they get back up onto the stage and there's this guy there. Yes. And Emil is Alex Brightman. Yes. And this definitely, this is the song that implies there's something about this character. That This is where we have like maybe our first suspect. Because there's something creepy about Emil, mm-hmm. who is he... our night janitor. Well, this is the whole thing. The way that he phrases things with watch your step. 
while it could just mean like be careful where you stand the way that it's prefaced in this he says you could fall unless you watch your step yeah and it all sounds very uh sinister which yeah. is great mark my words kids one wrong jump and suddenly now it's you going, going bump, bump in, in the, the night. night which yeah. is a great line Bump it in is. the night is so funny. And it's really, really good because he's supposed to be unsettling. Yeah. And especially, he's the first, like, unknown adult character. You know, we, we know Miss Walker, we accept Miss Walker. Mm-hmm. They don't know who Emile is. And here he is kind of stalking them and shouting at them. Mm-hmm. My favourite verse of this song is he says, It isn't safe here, take it from me. When you roam these halls at night, you see some things you can't unsee. Yeah. Which is really interesting anyway. And then it's followed by... It's all fun and games until someone's dropping to their doom in a room that I just finished mopping. Yeah. So we're going to learn some stuff about him later. I love that he's mopping the halls of this school yeah. at night time. Yeah. I, I do like the... I mean, I like this whole song, but it is like... Is there a ghost here? Well, if you ask me, there are about to be three unless you watch a step. Yeah, that's my favourite one because that's like, oh, he's threatening these children. Yeah. And his voice sounds great as well here. Mm-hmm. You know, you can definitely... It's like the perfect in-between of his School of Rock voice and his Beetlejuice yes. voice. Yes, yeah, absolutely. We have a really... I mean, every song here has been, a, has been a delight, but we have two of the strongest songs back-to-back now. Mm-hmm. So again, we're going to assume some time has passed. There's possibly been like a scene where everyone's texting. There's possibly been a scene in a, in a classroom. Possibly something where Tina has... Uh, kind of put Brooke down and maybe tried to get Brooke to give her her role this is it we're going into this and I we have no idea we've not actually read the book we're going on this solely from the soundtrack I mean I read the book well we've not read the book of the play no that's true um so we don't know what scenes are there we just make assumptions for our leaps but we go to babbling Brooke where we're now back in I guess either drama class or play rehearsals mm-hmm. we love play rehearsals because they're the best Yes. So, I, I now have the, the book in front of me. Oh, nice. At the end of Watch Your Step, Emil stands on the trap door and pulls the lever, and he goes, goes down. down. Which we need to have as a visual. We need to see him go down there yeah. as the lights fade as he goes down. Yeah. Simply because, why is he going down there? If he's telling them it's dangerous. Right? Yeah. So, the next day at school, Brooke finds a mask in her locker with a note that says, Stay away from my home sweet home. It's one of Zeke's practical jokes, she assumes. Yes. And so she's like, oh, nice try, Zeke. He doesn't know what she's talking about. She tells him to go away and goes on her way to drama class. But there's a cute boy sitting in her chair. Yep. And I love this song. And we, we, we sing this one a lot to each other. Yep. It's really great. I just love the opening that, hello. Hello. You're, You're in, in my chair. chair. No, this is my chair. Excuse me. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant... I thought Miss Walker said sit anywhere. Yep. Love that she gets into move seats. <laughs> I think yeah, it's but, so funny. But at the same time, she's gone and been really assertive. Like, this is my seat. I sit next to my best friend, Zeke. But actually, there's a spare chair next to me because you're kind of cute and I'd like you to sit next to me, if, if that's okay. And I just really like the dynamic in this song where it's like that first crush mm-hmm. type thing where she's like, oh, and all... I mean, it's called Babbling Brook. And... The play on words in that alone are mm-hmm. brilliant because Brooke is just babbling at this point. Yeah. But obviously the, the the idea of, you know, streams becoming babbling brooks. Yes. And we, we also, this also really reminds me of 
oh biology from when we covered freaky friday yes like that kind of oh my god i'm a teenager and all of these things are just coming out of my mouth and what am i doing yeah why can't i stop talking yeah absolutely it's just really great you know the what is happening what is happening those eyes so green and yes we we you know brian this new cute boy knows her name and she's like how do you know my name? Are you stalking me? That's creepy, super creepy. And he's like, now I just overheard people talking. You've got the starring role. We're in, we're in drama club. Yes, which we get my favourite little verse of this, which is where she says, I don't know why I just said stalking. When I get nervous, I start talking. Because she's panicking. She's like, oh my God, I've just insulted this boy that I think yeah. is really cute. But there's some really nice moments where like they're in to play with each other. And this is the thing, in a three-minute song, their relationship has moved forward so much. We've just met Brian and already we're very endeared towards him because he, you know, they he's follow adorable. the same Yeah, he's like... Well, so we have an aside from Brooke where she says, those eyes so green. That's yeah. done as an aside. Brian has the exact same one. So he says, your eyes. And Brooke hears him because it's out loud. And he says, oh, I'm sorry. I just mean I can see them really well because your glasses are so clean. Just ignore me. And then you got the nice <laughs> bit. When I get nervous, I start rushing. Before I know it, I am gushing. It's then I so sweat good. and I start crushing. No, not crushing, blushing. And it's really great. It's like you're trying to say the right thing and you're trying to find the right words. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like Shrek, when words fail, we end up digging a bigger hole for us. I like yep. the bit where she's like, so um, where are you from? Indiana, gross. gross. And he's like, "Oh, I didn't mean that. I, I actually don't know. It's just, I'm sure it's lovely. It's a really nice song, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, these two are perfect for each other. Especially because Brooke's really confident up until this point. Yes. Script and song-wise, she's not really had anything where she's like, oh, I'm worried about this because she's the one that says to Zeke, come on, we're going to do this show. We're going to be the leads. And she has this great line as well where she says, I get mixed up, and then I put my big mouth inside my foot. But I, I really like, because her and Zeke are clearly friends, we're not hinting at a romance between them at all. So it's mm-hmm. nice to have this vibe here. I almost imagine that the way this has is you have people in the background moving really fast. The idea of the whole world is just going around them and what seems to be a three minute conversation is actually like one of those conversations that goes long and you're like, oh, we've, oh, been, we've been sat here an hour. Long, yeah. You know, I, I like the idea of people moving very, very quickly. Uh but it is a really nice song and I think you could do so much with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ends with Brooke saying, I must control this babbling, Brooke. Yeah, before Dun. this stream of consciousness becomes a full-on babbling, Brooke. Which I love. I loved. I remember listening to this the first time and I was just like, oh, these lyrics. Mm-hmm. And this is the reason why I think this show has really stuck with us both so much is because John McClight and Danny Abosh have done such a good job creating really catchy but clever lyrics as well. Yeah. So, you know, Babbling Brook, great number, absolutely fantastic number. Surely it can't get any better than this. So, Miss Walker arrives and gives Brian the job of being in charge of the scenery and he'll be also the understudy phantom. Because, because he's brand new to he's school. He's new, everybody else has already been cast. With Tina, he's going to help Tina with the scenery because that's her job as well, apparently. We find out later at Zeke's house that Zeke has not read the play that he's been cast as the main lead of. Uh, He has the script, but he says he plans on listening to the album. And Brooke's like, you what? (laughs) 
what's album? This is and a he's like, mysterious oh. play that got found. He's like, I'll listen to the album later. And Brooke's like, no, no. This version is one of many musicals inspired by the Gaston Larue novel. And so Zeke's like, Gaston? Like in Beauty and the Beast? And she wants to kill him. That's away, where the obviously. reference comes from. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, I'm a fan of Gaston. And so, so he's like, this version is about singing Esmeralda. And he's like, oh, like Hunchback. It's like, no, Zeke, just listen. So um, explain to me the story of the Phantom. I, I love this song so much like this is i'm saying it now because it will not change no matter mm. what we talk about this is my favorite song on this and i have listened to this so much i had a drive and this sounds so lame when i say it out loud but i don't care i had a drive the other day where i drove to work you you were off mm-hmm. i just listened to this song <laughs> on repeat the whole time the whole time how long is this song five minutes five minutes i listened to this song roughly about three times <laughs> there and back yeah because i love this song and it's so good and i just wanted to be like close to word perfect because it mm-hmm. just is brilliant so, so in this version of the phantom unlike the unnamed phantom version that we're not going to talk about the phantom himself is not a murderer he is a misunderstood artiste who has covered his face because he's got some scars. Yeah, so in this song, it's essentially the story of the Phantom. Yeah, And I've done a lot of thinking about how I'd stage this one, but... Well, when you actually look at the lyrics on the Goosebumps the Musical website, it says, Brooke's line, Okay, Zeke, put on your listening ears for five minutes. Got them on? Good. Now just listen. And then in the stage directions, it says, We see the story play out upstage as Brooke begins to tell it. Which is great, because that's how I've always envisioned it, that you'd have other characters. And I always think you'd actually have the characters themselves doing this. Mm-hmm. So we'd have Tina being the understudy Esmeralda. She would be Esmeralda. You'd have Brian. Or you have some adults. Possibly you have um, Miss Walker and Emil. I like the idea of having Emil be the Phantom yes. in this, but I also kind of like the idea of Esmeralda being played by Tina because it's the only time she'll get to do That's it. That's what I like. And, and, and having Brian do it would be fun because Brian's not in this scene and also he's a character we'll get to a, a bit later, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, But between, I, uh, between Miss Walker, Tina, Brian and Emil, you've got four really good red herrings. Yes. And I guess you could certainly have moments where you have like adults playing them as well, but it's such a great number. And I said, I would have it that they're acting out. So like in my mind, you have to, there's a favorite, one of my favorite bits uh, is where we get, now this man had been blessed with a gift. He possessed musical talents completely unmatched, which when we get the musical talents completely unmatched, you get the, yeah, I would have, if I had unlimited resources and money, a piano come up from an behind, yeah, an organ, yeah. and he turns that, and he turns even if around. Even he just had a flat that was painted yeah. something, and you could spin it around, and on the other side it has like an organ. Yeah, that would be. Cool. And you have him sat at it, but as a but as you often will find in epic tales of this kind, this gift came with a curse attached, and he'll stand up and turn for a face that was hideous and so jarring. He wore a mask to cover all the scarring, and that's when I have him turn around, and you see the phantom for the first time. Yeah. I love this song so much <laughs> it's great and i especially like the bits where you've got like zeke interrupting the story yeah where you've got like so the thing with this phantom 
is that this version of the Phantom wears a full face mask. Yeah. Uh, unlike the Phantom of the Opera. Yes. Because, well, I mean, in the original Phantom of the Opera, in the book, he does wear a full face mask. But in this version, it's necessary that he wears a whole face covering. Yes. Because it becomes plot relevant later well, on. Well, we need to hide who it is. It's, yeah. Yeah. You know, we have some nice asides from Zeke being like, oh, can I guess the Phantom? Me, right? Well, you have him. <laughs> oh, so I was born with a lightning scar. Got it. No. no, no, a regular Scar. Ooh, Scar, like Lion King. And Brooke yeah, just getting Brooke more so frustrated. It's great. Um, and then you've got like one day at his piano, distant sounds of a soprano drifted towards him from the theatre above. And Zeke's just this like... This hole has a piano in yeah. it. What's your favourite <sighs> joke from this song? Ah, I like the bass. Like, uh, wait a minute, I'm your boyfriend. Are we going to have to kiss? That's gross. You're like my sister. And Brooke's like, Zeke, it's called acting. When it's like kind of the one hint that maybe Brooke's like, come on, just kiss me already, please. No, I don't think it is at all. No, no, I know. Um, um, I like how he goes, you better she... not get sick. I am not kissing Tina. Exactly. I love that. Um, and then again, he is, she was beautiful and he was hideous. Okay, so this is Beauty and the Beast. And that bit makes sense to me now, considering what sets this up. So, it's about a person who died in a theatre and then haunts it forever. That's just like the story Miss Walker told. This play is the story of the school, and that is so meta. Cool. What's your favourite... I mean, this whole song is great, but do you have a favourite verse, chorus? No, I think it's the whole, sco- whole, the whole it song. It is the whole one, but the, the best bit for me, the bit that I feel just really hits, is like this brilliant, like, the song has built to this point, and is the best kind of, like, it's on this big curve and it goes up and this is the peak of the song for me is when Brooker's when he took his last breath the phantom welcomed his death he'd rather die than live apart when it was over and done Raleigh killed him he'd won but he'd lost Esmeralda's heart yes. I just love that bit so much like when it builds up to it it feels like it's really built mm-hmm. and you can have the nice scene in the background as they're fighting just having the whole thing play out in front of them especially if it starts in their bedroom or in, in Brooke's bedroom. And stuff disappears. And stuff disappears and they're in a theatre because you're like picturing in their minds. Yeah. It's the best song. If you listen to one song, no, it's my best song. If you <laughs> listen to one song to try and convince you to listen to the whole soundtrack, this song will do it. This was the song that I think I heard you play first and just like I fell in love with it. Yep. So during rehearsal the next day, there is a sudden blackout while they're performing. And a spotlight appears above the actors up in, I guess, the walkway above the stage is what they're going for with this. Revealing somebody wearing a phantom mask and a cloak who says, stay away from my home sweet home. In a terrifying voice, Miss Walker panics and runs away. All of the kids scream and run away. And then we hear laughing. End of act one. Yeah, that's literally what it is. It's a distorted voice. We don't know who the phantom is. You know, it is a song on on the soundtrack, which is interesting that we've missed other kind of world building but i think we moments. need to hear this we need this this is your end of act one that is kind of like everything's been building up to this point it's like oh now we're all scared because the phantom has finally shown up mm-hmm. we get our entrecte the entrecte is so great because it just basically reprises the goosebumps moment you know i really like the entrecte i love the fact that we actually have the lyrics are on track it just says orchestra <laughs> <laughs> And then we have is somebody down there, which is another. So the end of the entract is supposed to sound like funeral bells and ghostly spirits and things. Yeah. Like we get a bit with a violin where it's just like doo doo, and it's just going in and out. Brooke tells Zeke 
he didn't scare her with her prank at rehearsal yesterday. Zeke is like, I wasn't here. I was at the dentist's yesterday. I wasn't at rehearsal. But was he really? Zeke just giggles and flashes a toothy grin before running off. So we're not sure if it was Zeke that was yeah. pretending to be the Phantom. Brooke was really freaked out. And then we get my favourite line in the script, which is, always happy to provide help that nobody asked for. Tina feeds Brooke her next line. Is somebody down there? And then we go into this song. Yeah, that's your line. I know, it's just... And then the Phantom appears. Mm-hmm. And Miss Walker is like, a very close Brooke, but the line is somebody down there. Tina being in the background, that wasn't close at all. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, she sees the Phantom. And again, we get the lights flickering. The Phantom... I, I'm loving these descriptions. Like, these are just adding so much more to me. The Phantom swings down on a rope and speaks directly to Brooke. We know who the Phantom has to be at this point. Do we? It's got to be Alex Brightman in this role at this yeah, point. Yeah, Emil. It had so Emil is our Phantom, and it has to be Emil at this point playing this role. So it has to be Alex Brightman Absolutely. swinging in from a rope. Because what is supposed to happen is he swings down from the rope and advances on Brooke. Yes, and she freaks out. She ends up falling to the floor. The lights flicker. He disappears because he goes down the trap door. Yes. But obviously we don't need to see that. And Brian rushes over to Brooke, and she's fainted. Um, and then when she comes to, she's really cold and pale. So she's out for the next couple of days. Yeah, understandably so, which leads to, I think, your favourite song in this show. Yes, we got Understudy Buddy, which again, because I haven't really read through the script of this yet. There's some absolute gold in here. My favourite thing is, still no, Miss Walker does not need Tina to go on for Esmeralda. Things are not that desperate. <laughs> Incredible. Everybody hates Tina. I don't really understand why, but I love it. I can imagine she's very irritating. Well, this is it. And again, like I said earlier, I think everyone, be it, you know, as a director or be it if you're involved in a production, has worked with a Tina who's desperate. And self-important. Self-important. Yeah. Does almost think they're better than they are. Talented, maybe, but kind of doesn't have the respect for everyone else. I think it's the Rachel Berry stereotype. Oh, right. It is absolutely Rachel Berry. Uh, and I, I love it so much, but it's also there was something else we've watched. I was like, it's it's ruthless. Oh I yeah, ask Tina. politely, which is great because it's again Tina. Yeah, Tina, Tina really just fun. seems to be a theatre, you know, an overzealous theatre kid song. But understudy buddy, explain what that song is for so, listeners. Tina rings Brooke while she's at home to basically tell her. <laughs> To basically tell her that she can stay home. She's not ready to do this show if she's going to get scared by little things like being attacked by random men. Yeah. And that Tina can absolutely stand in for her because she knows all of her lines already. And <laughs> Yeah, because there's a great line. She's like, I already know. I'm just kidding. I, I obviously know all of your lines. Mm-hmm. Oh, we get, um, so take all the time you need, like a week or a month or a year or the rest of your life. Just, just kidding. kidding. Which is great. Oh my god! Are More you reading... weird script things. Yeah, enter, enter Miss Walker. Walker. I've just read that she's carrying the contents of the package she received earlier in the play. Remember that moment? What was that all about? It seemed odd at the time. 
It is a stuffed or plastic fish. I guess she is a collector or something. Also, the fish is red and, and probably, probably a herring. herring, which is great. That's like I love the idea that throughout this show there's going to be visual cues that are like, don't suspect this person. That's a waste like, of time oh, to suggest Miss Walker because really? she and is a red herring. That's great. Reading the lyrics, again, I'm getting so much more depth than I never had we have before. Tina saying, oh, Miss Walker, I know it's been so hard for you. I know Brooke's not cutting it, but don't worry, I'm ready to take over. And Miss Walker's like, what are you talking about? This isn't Brooke's fault. Of course she freaks out. We still get things like uh, the rumour backstage is you're super contagious or injured your spine. I don't know. Yeah, that feels like a personal attack on me. Yep. Uh, I really like this. Again, I, the way I envision <laughs> this one is very much that it's like um, the cell phone hour yes. in Be More Chill. But you have like, they're actually doing the rehearsals and she's in full, I guess, costume for Esmeralda. The entire these, time. You have that these really, so but funny. maybe it's not the full time. Maybe it's not until the final verse where she becomes dressed like Esmeralda because, like, they're that close now and the costumes are finally ready. And it's like in her mind, she's like, I'm committed. I should be Esmeralda now. But you yeah, have some really you have nice... a really simple costume for her to get into. Yeah. Uh, but you, ha- you have, the, you can always, like, you know what they do in School of Rock where they wheel the curtains on mm-hmm. and then uh, you come in your Ziggy Stardust inspired outfit. You'd have that moment where, like, people come in and she's in there and she goes, don't come back like at all. Yeah. You know. Sure, we'll do another play next ball. Sure, we'll do. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. By the way, this is Tina. Goodbye. I mean, this is it. The last verse is great because it is like the pinnacle of the joke where, you know, the first two verses, it's hidden. It's like, yes, I want your role, but I'm trying to be nice about it. But by the end one, she's like, she's she's not even hiding anything. She's like, stay in bed with your teddy. And mm-hmm. since you're feeling upsetty, you know, yeah, that's it's great. So much fun, and she's done trying to be nice at this point. And then at the end, it's just like, oh, by the way, this is Tina. Goodbye. Like she hasn't said who it is the whole time. Yeah. The next day, Brooke is back. They get to the set or onto the stage, and the backdrop that Tina spent so much time painting now has red spray paint across it. That again says, "Stay away from my home, sweet home." Brian also works on it he's completely outraged he's like zeke you've gone too far this time this is ridiculous why do you keep having to pray these pranks you upset brooks so much yesterday yeah or the other day and of course because brian is very much infatuated with yes maybe and you know i don't know you could play it off that brian feels an element of being threatened by zeke i don't yes but so that is very much why he's so quick to come to the defense yeah well so brooke vouches for zeke straight away he's like okay he likes a good joke but he wouldn't destroy this the show for this we were in the show last year like he wouldn't do that yeah and brian's like okay that's fine however tina arrives goes and gets ms walker and principal stein shows we up principal stein we love tina discovers or does she? Do they not? Yeah, I remember. So watching, I'm, I'm going by Goosebumps, the TV show. What I remember here is that the red paint leads. They follow a Yeah, there's drops to... of red paint that go all the way to Locker 172, which is Zeke's locker. It says that specifically here. Is that is 172 a reference to anything? I have no idea. Um, I'll look it up later. Maybe it just is his locker. In the, he, R.L. Stein loves to put specifics into things. Yes. Especially because one of his biggest things is like he put he puts some humor into his stories, but he's not that fussed by it because he said that kids don't really care about having laughs. They could go anywhere to get laughs, but they come to goosebumps to be scared. And putting real detail into things makes them scary. 
Yeah. So when you're like, oh, it was locker 172, that was Zeke's locker, how spooky. Like, it only becomes spooky because you told me specifically which locker it is, and then it feels important, and it becomes another red herring. Yeah. So yeah, they, they find the red paint can. Zeke is like, no, I didn't do this, and he's trying to suggest who could have done it. Tina has access to all the painting supplies. Zeke then suggests Emil, the night janitor, and Principal Stein is like, there is no night janitor. So this is during the song Who Done It, which is great. And it's they've actually got R.L. Stein recording the voices so cool. as Principal Stein. It's it's not the best voice acting you're gonna get in this, but But he's not a voice actor, who so cares? I don't care. it's great. Like I love it because it's actually R.L. Stein. Mm-hmm. It, it's a point you go, So Zeke, care to explain how this can of paint ended up in your locker? It's so much fun. Yeah. And yeah, it's just a really nice moment. We get this nice little bit of script and exposition. We learn that, you know, Zeke is out of the play until further notice. And they also need to discuss what other punishments. Mm-hmm. If it's proven he did this, he'll be lucky if he doesn't get suspended or worse. Yes. What's worse than suspension? Expulsion? Jail? And then we go into the song, I've got to take a stand before this gets me banned. Mm-hmm. It's getting out so of So Brooke is immediately like, like Emil is definitely the one who's done this. Zeke says, well, maybe it's Tina. And Brian is like, mm, no, because you'd need, if she wants to be the lead, she'd need Brooke kicked out, not you. However, and I've said this to you the other day, actually, Tina would stand, you know, you, you can actually stand by Tina as a, as a witness because it's almost, the way she's been presented is like, if I can't be in this show the way nobody I want to, can. nobody yeah. can. So she's sabotaging the show because no one deserves it more than she. And if she's not going to get the lead role, then she's just going to cancel the show. But she doesn't. She doesn't. But I like, I really love this song. You've got the first verse is very much, this is why it could be a meal. Yep. Then you've got the secondary one being Tina. Mm-hmm. Great. You know, okay. It's maybe not so much Tina, but I feel like there's evidence. Then Zeke says, well, in stories like this, it's always the person you least suspect. Who's that? And Brooke's like, I don't know, Miss Walker. <laughs> but Brian is immediately like, oh, well, it's Brooke. Because there's loads of evidence that she didn't do it, and why would she want to? And then we get a whole verse, which is Zeke being like, because the way, because the, the, the rhythm of this is really good. It's the same melody as the story of the Phantom, but sped right up because they're frantic. Exactly, and I love that we get a whole verse being about it's broken. It's like strangers you may find it. Oftentimes, the one behind it is the one you least suspect. And and we end it with she might not be involved. She's likely not a crook. But until we have a better suspect, all arrows point to. No, Hang on, no, it's not Brick. This is stupid. Yeah, and I like, I love that like self-realization of like, yeah, this is I'm being stupid here. They finally consider maybe there is a ghost. Yeah, maybe it is a real phantom. Mm-hmm. And they don't really want to talk about it, but Zeke knows where they should start looking, so they sneak into the auditorium and go towards the trap door. Yeah, so their plan is going to go back down the trap door, and they're going to try and find something. So we get the trap door sequence. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. Again, not a song, but very much just some nice exposition. Which I think the soundtrack does a really good job of the really important moments that you need to know. Yeah. It tells you. And then we go to my home sweet home. We've heard those words. Stay away from my home sweet home. Yes. So you want to explain why Emile's here? Emile... Is not a night janitor. Is not a night janitor. Emile lost his job couldn't afford to pay his rent so he lost his home he had no money to his name he was homeless 
So he thought he'd hide in the tunnels under the school until he could get back on his feet. And he stayed out of everyone's way. He was just keeping himself to himself until the kids ruined it with the play. And he's trying to keep them away from them. And this song is really, really good because you feel really bad for him. It's like, you've 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 been like oh it's him it's absolutely him and whilst yes he is the phantom we have seen thus far he means no harm mm-hmm. because all he wants to do is just get the play cancelled so he can continue living discreetly um and i love the bit the song ends you know he's like but it's my home my home sweet home and it's all that i got and then he says now what am i going to do with you I can't have you telling people i'm down here And Zeke's like terrified, saying, we won't tell a soul. And Emil just goes, no, I don't imagine you will. Mm -hmm. And of course, what's great about this, that line from a youngster's perspective is, oh no, this unhinged, homeless man that nobody knows is down here is going to kill us yeah i love that line though and and you get them running away and he's like come back come back i didn't mean it like that (laughs) yeah and i love it and it's just a really really fun moment i'm loving reading these stage directions as well so the kids don't they don't catch him basically yeah yeah, because you've got like Brian falling behind, Brooke freezes in horror, Zeke's unsure whether to keep running or turn back. He continues running towards the elevator while Brooke runs back to help Brian. Zeke reaches the platform, followed by Brooke, who helps Brian along. Zeke tries to pull the lever, it won't budge, they get terrified. Brooke fears that Emil is catching up, the lever still won't budge. Finally, it goes out, they made it, blackout. Mm-hmm. Again, I can imagine, especially you have this nice moment where like there's no lights except like this trap door sequence. Yes. And you hear noises. And you just suddenly see the light shifting, getting brighter as you come up and out. Mm-hmm. So they tell Miss Walker what they found down there. And she tells Miss uh, Mr. Stein. <laughs> she tells Professor Stein. Principal Stein. And, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm going to get it wrong every time. She tells him. And they go down and they search. And then they come back. And Miss Walker tells the kids, look, we didn't find any sign that anyone was living down there. Um but you all have exactly the same story. So I believe you. Yes. And they were all like freaked out. Then we go into opening night. And which song does this one reprise? It's the a Super Scary Play. Yeah. Which is great. I love just the fact it's an instrumental version of Super Scary Play. So you have mad chaotic energy of opening night as students enter and exit the backstage area. One student does a large of a series of large physical and vocal warm-ups. Awesome. Two students practice their sword fighting and fake deaths really badly because they're middle schoolers. And eventually Tina, as the stage manager, enters, stops everybody and gives them their five-minute call. Thank you, Five. I like this song. It's a nice, simple instrumental, um, which I think is fun. Mm -hmm. And then we have One Last Goal, another instrumental. This is where Zeke is knocked out. Yes. So Zeke is backstage... He wanders backstage in his phantom costume and then somebody else in a phantom costume comes in unseen, knocks Zeke out and drags him off stage. Now, here's what I think will be interesting is because you will know that this is not the same phantom that we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Because if you've had Alex Brightman playing the phantom, yeah, this phantom, it, Alex Brightman, but at this point we know Emil is a red herring. Emil isn't doing anything. It's not mm-hmm. Emil. Especially when we see our real phantom at this point, they are going to be smaller. Yeah. So I like the idea there that the audience is saying, what? What's going on here? And then we have 
the performance. The performance. So one of the this other is things, another instrumental. Yeah, one of the things I like about being called One Last Goal is that's actually lyrics in the story of the Phantom, mm-hmm. is they say depending he on who one last goal. So the performance begins, Brooke enters as Esmeralda, Esmeralda's father Carlo warns her to be careful, there's a Phantom who wants the theatre, and she's like, I don't care, you're trying to scare me. Miss Walker is watching everything from off stage, so you can see her like peering around the curtains and watching it, which I think is really cute as an yes. idea. Her dream is realised. Finally, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. The Phantom enters in a mass of fog. A pause from the audience. Brooke takes his hand, leads him through the fog, and when she turns to face him, she panics because she realises it's not Zeke. So this version of the mask is supposed to have glowing green eyes behind it. Those eyes, so green. Yes. And yet something so familiar. So she says to him, out of character, Who are you? Where's Zeke? And the Phantom's like, oh, just trust me, just trust me. So she says his her lines. Why do you haunt this theatre? Please tell me your story. I will not be afraid. And then we get my story. But the great thing about songs. the instrumental for the performance is it is the story of the Phantom. Mm-hmm. So we've recouped that and it sounds a lot more like tragic. And it's just a really nice use. The, the, these three instrumentals, really nice use of songs we've had. Yes. With all, lots of acting-y stuff yes. going on over the top. You really like my story. I love this song. This song makes me sad. <laughs> but also it has some to. really nice stuff in the middle. So this is the the end of the show that they are doing within the whole yes. show that we're talking about. So he sings basically what actually happened to him when he was alive and a real person. So he says, when I, like you, was cast in a scary play, supposed to be on this stage... I was the lead. Should have been the best night of my life. Instead, it would be the last. Yeah. Because the trap door that hasn't been working this whole time, years ago, was left ajar. And he fell down it while there was a blackout and disappeared and died. Yeah. Which means that... (laughs) When they made him go down the trap door with them and Brian's like, I'm not sure about this, you guys. Yeah. Trauma. (laughs) But also it means Emil must have cleaned this body out when he moved in. Yeah, because there's no body down there. Nobody has gone down since. Mm -hmm. So he became an actual ghost and he's been waiting to be able to perform the show, just like Tina said he was. And now he's been in the show, but now he's torn because he never expected to meet somebody he loved, like Brooke. Because, you know... 12-year-olds. And I guess at this point it's very obvious for the audience we know who the Phantom is. Yes. And what we have is really interesting. Well, you would recognise his singing voice. Yeah, so you have the actual ghost is Brian, but he's not been trying to stop the show. He just wanted to perform. Yeah. Yeah. Emile has been trying to stop the show. So Emile is responsible for everything, but it was not malicious. It wasn't a scary thing. It was just stay away from my home sweet home. Mm -hmm. And here we have it that there actually is a Phantom and it's Brian, and he just wanted to perform. So we know who knocked Zeke out. And this is a we really this... beautiful song. Yeah, my favourite bit of this song is he says, all at once I'm old and yet brand new, which is a bit that they said earlier when they had Babbling Brook. Yeah. Dead but so alive, and it's all because of you. And he has to keep reminding himself to call her Esmeralda, which yeah. I love. But we get my favourite bit, which is, because you're kind and smart, smart and, and silly, silly, and when you smile, even a really ghostly wind seems not so chilly. Yeah, I like that bit. That's my favourite bit. It's so powerful, and it is really sad, because you're like, oh, he's getting what he wants, but in doing so, he knows he's going to have to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. So, so, puff of smoke, phantom disappears, end of show, lights come down. Thunderous applause. And we're backstage. Yes, and we go to the phantom unmasked. You are transcendent. Love it. <laughs> have you seen Zeke? 
No, I haven't. But he was rather remarkable tonight. But when you see him, let him know that we are going to have to have a little talk about rewriting the play on opening night. Yes, because the end of the actual Phantom play that they were doing is that the Phantom is a ghost that's come back to tell her, like, oh, I'll wait for you. Yes. But instead, this version is like, oh, I was a ghost the whole time. And Miss Walker's like, I liked it. (laughs) That's a good good change. But, you know, we're not going to do it again. Then Zeke comes in and is like, I got knocked out. I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. And Brooke's like, I think I know... And I'm putting it together. That was the boy. That was the actual phantom. Yeah. So the phantom appears upstage facing, like watching them talk. And Brooke's like, I think I know who it is. So she runs up and pulls the mask off of him. And it's Brian. The lights flicker and go black. Brian disappears. They're standing there alone holding the mask. And then Brian's ghostly voice uh, comes over the theatre and she he says goodbye, Brooke. Would you have it be a private moment between Brooke, Zeke and Brian at this point? Or would yes, you have I would the have whole nobody cast? else to be on stage. Just yeah. Three yeah, it'd be interesting to play it off with everyone watching, being aware of this, but it's almost mm-hmm. like you have the, the rumours spread after. So this is the thing with listening to the soundtrack. The way that this show ends is with a reprise of the opening, Goosebumps. Yes. But what happens is the stage gets filled with headstones oh, cool. from a cemetery and we have the little fog coming in and it's dimly lit and there's one headstone that's slightly smaller than the others as if for a boy Aww. and Brooke goes over and lays a rose on his headstone and then from behind all of the headstones the rest of the cast come out and sing Goosebumps So Reprise. it's basically empty chairs at empty tables Yeah I like that idea, though, that you've had this nice moment at the end and then we're all finishing it off. Mm-hmm. And especially because we've got the idea in my head, they're not singing it the first time, they welcome us to our, but now it's that reprise of the song to be like, we've, we're closing the book on this now. And it's like, they're singing the song. But, and we get my favourite bit of this Goosebumps song, which doesn't happen in the opening and only happens in this version, which is that R.L. Stein says, so follow if you dare and all who do, beware. Yeah. I do really like the whole Goosebumps. It's like, Goosebumps, goosebumps. You're covered head to toe in goosebumps. Obsessed. Yeah, and having R.L. Stein do the whole, and but all who do beware is really, really fun. Mm hmm. And gives you goosebumps in the night. On the Goosebumps the Musical Instagram page for April Fools, they did. um Little Shop of Hamsters was going to be their next musical, oh, but it was their April a... Fool's joke. But it's so funny, and you could do this so many times. It would be amazing. Like you could turn all of these into musicals. Yeah. But I love the idea of having a Little Shop of Hamsters. Well, I mean, here's... I know it was a joke, but oh, come on. Here's the thing as well. Like we 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 talked about it like jokingly, but if this was to become an actual musical mm-hmm. on the West End or in Broadway. I 100% want it playing across the road from the Phantom. Right. Like, I know that's silly, but I, that's how I would have it. I think it'd be even funnier that you've got the Phantom of the Opera and then the Phantom of the Auditorium. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy this one, and I don't know necessarily who I would cast. I think, you know, keeping this cast would be absolutely incredible. Who would you want to be cast as? I guess, yeah. Assuming um, that you can play any role, because all I, these roles are played by adults. I either want to be Emil or Zeke. Like, I think I, you'd be a good Zeke. I w- right, if I, I'm i going to do an adult role and I'm going to do a child role, because I have choice that you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in terms of being a child character, I don't want to be Brian. I want to be Zeke, because mm-hmm. I love like Zeke's personality. Yeah. But I would love the idea of being like me now being Emil. 
Yeah. I mean, I always want to be Alex Brightman in everything he does. <laughs> He's my, like, musical spirit animal. Yes. So, yeah, those are my two roles of who I'd want to be. Who would you want to play in this one and why is it Tina? <laughs> I'd love to play Tina. I actually can't sing high enough to play Tina, so I would probably play Brooke. Because, ah, oh, I'd love to play both of them. Let me play both of them, alternating nights. But... I love that Brooke is a main character who wears glasses. We don't see that often enough. And I love that she is... I love that all R.L. Stein children characters are kind and smart yeah. and silly. Like, there is so much... So many kid-based musicals where they don't get to be... To act like kids do. Mm. Like, if you think about things like Annie, right? <laughs> I'll dissect Annie here for a second. Annie never gets to act like a kid. No. The other kids do, but she doesn't at any point. She's basically an adult the whole time. But with this, they sound like children and they act like children. They do stupid stuff and they have a good time and they're awkward and it's great. Yeah. I love it. What's your best song? Is it Understudy Buddy? No, it's Babbling Brook. Okay. Yeah. I love Understudy Buddy. It's, well, so the three I made you listen to in the car when I first played them for you were Babbling Brook, Story of the Phantom, and Understudy Buddy. Yes. And I also love Super Scary Play. I think it's great. Scary, Super Scary. Yeah. The, I mean, I love my every, story. I love all of them. I love every song. My skip songs, I will say, are the instrumentals. You know, like uh, Opening Night, One Last Goal, the performance. They're great. But mm-hmm. if we're running out of time when we're close to the end of our drive, I will skip those three so we can get to my story and Goosebumps. My best song is The Story of the Phantom. Yeah. But it's followed by, like you say, Babbling Brook, a super scary play, The Legend. They're all really good songs. I don't want to skip any of them. Yeah. But for me, The Story of the Phantom is head and shoulders above the, the rest. This is the best song mm. in it. And again, beautiful lyrics, beautiful music to it. It's brilliant. Yeah. Do you have a skip song? I mean, no. outside of the instrumentals... Which I we s- listen to, but when we want to sing in the car, yeah. So th- uh, yeah, I d- I don't think I skip any of them. I, no, I listen me to either. I would li- I listen to this whole soundtrack all the yeah. way through over and over and over again. Exactly. Who done it is such an underrated song as well. Like it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. I it's it. Who's your MVP of the cast recording? I think. I think it has to be Christina Alberto. Yeah. Because she's singing so many different ways all the way through this. She's got a great mix just generally, but she goes from being really charactery to really sweet ingenue type yeah. to singing the Phantom and having mm. to get all the way through oh, yeah. that song she's and am- breathe at the same she's time. She's amazing. She's a powerhouse. And she's my MVP as well because like Babbling Brook, The Story of the Phantom, Scary Play are all very different songs and very quick in succession. Like Act 1 is going to exhaust her. Mm-hmm. She doesn't do much singing in Act 2, so she gets a nice little respite. Yeah. But she's absolutely my MVP. What's your star rating? <laughs> five stars it's five stars for me as well and obviously this is just a soundtrack you know it's difficult because what would we rate it putting the whole play into context my worry is there's not as many songs with lyrics so you might have moments where like the audience's attention drifts 
yeah. if you're listening to the whole thing in, a, in the context of a two and a half hour show but who's to say I, I don't know what the book will have and I don't know what it's like in performance but certainly based on the merit of this we're reviewing the soundtrack it's five stars easy because we have listened to it pretty much non-stop for well over a month now and I'm still not bored of it mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed talking about Goosebumps the musical with you me too this is the the best way to celebrate two years it literally is that's a show that we're obsessed with like we could have saved this for phantom week do you want to tell me what we're planning seeing seeing as phantom week is three weeks away you haven't actually told me what we're going to do for phantom week yet what what are we going to watch for phantom week so this year for phantom week we are watching the phantom of the megaplex fantastic It'll be great. and is it going to be very much in the same vein as the phantom of the auditorium mm-hmm. great then i am very very excited before we sign off i, I touched on it with singing in the rain but thank you to everyone who has been part of this this two-year journey i i didn't think it would last two years I've said it before, I thought we'd run out of musicals very, very quickly. And here we are discovering new musicals. Or just... (laughs) Musicals I didn't even know existed. Yeah. And I think, you know... Do you remember when we started this and you said, oh, we'll be done in a couple of weeks? Yeah, I did. (laughs) I pitched to do it like once every two weeks because we'll be done otherwise. Yeah. And there have been hard times... You know, between work and life getting in the way, there's been times where it's been difficult to keep to this schedule, but it's been worth it every single week. Because we love this. We love you guys. We love that you listen to us. Exactly. You know, it makes us feel so privileged when people reach out to us and, you know, thank us for what we put out. And this is our opportunity to say thank you Mm -hmm. for listening to us because we wouldn't be here if not for you two years later. So thank you to everyone. You've kept us going when it's been tough. But, you know, just thank you. Yes, indeed. Uh, Obviously, we will see you. Same bat place, same bat channel. For Anyone Can Whistle next week. So excited to talk about that. And if you want to give us a little bit of a birthday present today, you know where to find us. Head on over, leave us a five-star review. Mm -hmm. But until next Monday... Have a, I guess, wonderful, spooky Wednesday. Yeah. And happy birthday to us.